What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Factory Tour. I am your host, Paul Patterson. I am joined today by a special guest uh, named Mike. You probably know him by his Twitter handle, his alter ego, Dynasty Zoltan. I've been on Mike's show a couple of times. We've put together some great content. I think we've had some really good conversations. We talked earlier this offseason about some prospects famously called uh, Jameer Gibbs a top five fantasy running back, dynasty running back before the NFL draft. Hoping we can make some more magic here today. Uh, Mike, how are you? Doing really well. That uh, that Jameer Gibbs prediction is looking good now as he sits in the consensus top five. So uh, always good to be early on things. And uh, that's what that's what you're providing here. Yeah, so we're... I'm going to hang my hat on that one. You know, I, it's one of my, one of my better calls this off season. I feel good about it. We'll touch on Gibbs in a little bit because we are going to be talking all things running back today. And we're going to break down all these running backs into tiers. So I did a few, a few episodes back. I did this uh, with my friend, Ben, we broke down all the dynasty quarterbacks into tiers by ADP worked our way through just kind of touched on interesting storylines, some fades, some targets, just naturally worked our way through the position. And when we were finished, we felt like we had a better understanding of how we wanted to handle things in our leagues as far as quarterbacks go. So I'm going to try and do this with another position. I know you know your stuff on running backs and every position really, but you've got some great takes on running backs. So we're going to do running backs today. I have the tiers. I'm using bulletproof ADP here, uh, which is for, and I just have the last month of drafts pulled up. So the dust kind of settled from rookie draft season and this is really this should hold pretty steady throughout the summer you know barring any massive news so hopefully this will be you know fresh content for the people for a couple of months get them through the summer figure out how they can navigate the position uh before we dive into each individual tier do you have any kind of i don't know general thoughts on the running back market right now and and trends that you're seeing yeah, I mean, overall, it's a very interesting position for the dynasty running backs where we really only have uh, like four or five options who are young and elite and really proven in that way. You could argue we only have two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a whole group of kind of the middle-aged veteran guys who people are a little bit iffy on it's risky on whether they're going to keep their jobs and then we have the older vets and when you think about it it really comes down to the draft class that everyone thought was going to really replace the running back position being jk dobbins cam Akers, jonathan taylor uh antonio gibson that draft class has only produced three rb1 seasons we've had big injuries to dobbins and Akers that have really set it back quite a bit And then, of course, this draft class this year was not nearly as productive for the running back position as we expected. So there is a good amount of veteran depth here. But in terms of stable dynasty assets, we are strongly lacking at the running back position. Yeah, we are ripe for an influx of massive talent. And I don't know if we're going to get it just because this draft capital for running backs just seems to keep falling off year after year. But you're absolutely right. 2020 was a huge disappointment. Looking back, it was really supposed to reset the market and be like that next 2017 class. And it just did not come to fruition. So that's how we end up with this very murky position. And I got to be honest, I felt a lot more confident about the position as a whole, when we talked about quarterbacks, like I think I have a pretty set philosophy on how I attack the position and I know what I'm trying to do. I'm very much still figuring it out with running back. And I definitely have thoughts. I have some, you know, some philosophy, but I'm hoping that you'll kind of help clear things up for me. And as I get it later into the off season, I try to position my teams for 
contending, rebuilding, uh, that this show might help me figure out what I want to do with certain guys. So let's jump in here at the top. Our first tier is a tier of one. This being the undisputed RB1 in Dynasty. I don't think that there's any controversy about this. I haven't even seen any like clickbaity takes on Twitter, which means it must really, really be set in stone. And that's Bijan Robinson. He's the 111 in Dynasty startups right now. He's far and away the RB1. He's gone first by a mile in every startup that I've been in this offseason. So, Mike, what do you think of Bijan Robinson and his current cost in the Dynasty landscape? I'm good with his current cost right now. You could argue it's a little bit high, just given I do like some of the players in this next tier, which we'll get to in a minute. But we said that there is no safety at the running back position. We're missing on that youth elite talent. And Bijan Robinson is the guy who really checks every single box. The landing spot was pretty much perfect. Last year, Atlanta was second in rush rate over expectation. They were first in rush attempts and third in rushing yards, led by a wide receiver and a fourth-round rookie as their starting running backs. So we know that Atlanta wants to run the ball. Um, we know that Bijan is, you know, a generational talent. So I don't have a whole lot to say here, except in my personal rankings, I would take all of the quarterbacks essentially over Bijan Robinson, as well as Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. I am happy building a team somewhat around a guy like Bijan because I do like kind of a hero running back strategy right now. Um, but given just the uh, risk at any running back, I, I am taking guys like Kyler Murray uh, and Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. John Robinson, even though obviously ADP doesn't say that. Yeah, that reminds me of something that um, Jacob Sanderson said on one of his podcasts. He's on a bunch of them, but he was like, I think Bijan's price is right, but I find it much more palatable to trade for him in existing leagues than to yeah. actually draft him in a startup. So like value wise, I think it's dead on, but it is hard, like you said, to pass up on some of the quarterbacks just because when you're doing a dynasty startup, you're trying to lay the foundation for your team to be successful for multiple seasons. And whereas in, in managed, you know, existing leagues, you can already have that quarterback position figured out. And then you can go try and add Bijan on and, you know, turn your contender into a true favorite. So that's where I really want to get Bijan. I haven't taken him in any startups. I had some really bad teams from last year that did manage to get the 101, but I'm trying to, you know, my contenders, if I have excess value or I can consolidate multiple pieces, you know, by 2024 first, I'm willing to go and pay up to get Bijan. I think you shouldn't be afraid just because he's a running back. I think he's going to retain his value really well. And I think he also can be a league winner this season. So that's sort of a unique proposition where you have a guy who's really, really young and able to contribute a lot of points above replacement. That's just, that's a rare opportunity. So you want to be willing to, to buy into that. Yeah, you're spot on. The difficulty is finding the perfect trade partner. And I'd be interested to see if you have any thoughts on this or trades that you've made, but if you think about the teams that are willing to sell Bijan Robinson, it's really only if they're not contending and potentially quite a bit away from contending. And in that case, it's hard as a potential win now team to have those extra pieces that that trade partner might want. So one situation where I was able to do that is, you know, let's say you were able to draft Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Um, because you had someone else's top five rookie pick or even your top five rookie pick, and now you're looking to compete. Maybe you flip that quarterback plus a future first for Bijan. Maybe you have a running back like 
Kenneth Walker, who took a big value hit. You were counting on him to help you in your title push this year. So you trade Kenneth Walker plus the first for Bijan. Those trades make sense. But in yeah. a lot of cases, like I'm having trouble finding a team that has enough value to trade for Bijan to put him over the top, but also that is like ready to really compete with him. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not going to work in a lot of scenarios, but for the most part, the teams that did get the 101 are not necessarily in fantastic shape. So if Bijan did go to one of those teams that's looking to rebuild, I really like those suggestions you threw out. And I'd also be comfortable taking someone like a Jalen Waddle, a T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, somebody who's a young receiver, which is appealing to a rebuilding team that doesn't necessarily offer that kind of, you know, league breaking ceiling. Pair that pair that player with a you know a 2024 first, especially if you think your first is going to be late. I'd be very comfortable making that kind of move because Bijan, not only do I believe he'll be a first round startup pick again this time next season, but he could put up 20 points per game. Like he, he just, the Atlanta offense is going to be so efficient on the ground and it's going to be so consolidated in the target share between London Pitts and Bijan. I think that he, he absolutely has a case to be ranked as the RB two in redraft formats. And so if you, even the RB one, I think you could make an argument for. And so for a player like that, who's what, 20, 21 years old, that's just, that's the kind of upside that's really, really hard to find. So, yeah, you're yeah. right. I, I don't see the RB1 argument, but yeah, I think being being in that tier behind RB1 from a redraft mm -hmm. perspective makes sense. And and I like what you're saying because you can replace a guy like Jalen Waddle's production by trading a second rounder for Keenan Allen, let's say, right? Like you exactly. can get... You can replace that wide receiver production. So if you want to move a guy like Waddle or, you know, Garrett Wilson to go get Bijan, I, I I completely understand that. Yeah, sounds good. All right. I think we handled that that tier of one. Let's move on to the next tier, which has four running backs in it. These four are going to be Christian McCaffrey, Brees Hall, Jonathan Taylor, and Jameer Gibbs. They cover an ADP range from the 205 to the 302. That's where CMC goes to the 05 all the way to Gibbs at 02. They've kind of uh, pushed together over the course of the offseason where there was more of a gap between them. I think CMC was going a little bit earlier. Gibbs was going a little later, and they've kind of met here a little bit in the middle. But these are your truly elite assets at the position where you've got some combination of like absolutely massive ceiling, huge value upside. You know, Most of these guys are young other than McCaffrey, but there's something here for everybody. Do you have a preference in this tier, somebody you like to invest in on your teams? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I'll just say I, I do like to invest in this tier. Um, I think that all of these guys are pretty appropriately priced. I look at specifically Brees Hall and Jonathan Taylor. Those guys are kind of all that you want from a running back um, in the dynasty realm. Like they're young. They have shown elite upside. Um, Brees has more receiving upside than a guy like JT does, but I think his is a little underrated. Obviously he's coming off an injury. I think Brees Hall is an incredible buy right now. And I actually think he's pretty close to B. John Robinson. If he didn't get injured last season, I think he would probably be drafted maybe ahead of B. John Robinson. Um, he was certainly trending that way. I mean, he was arguably the best running back in the NFL last year. He was first in yards per carry, elusiveness, explosive run rate, second in yards after contact per attempt, yards per route run. He was really just an elite option. So I am all in on Brees Hall, mm -hmm. and I'm going to let you talk a little bit more about Gibbs, but obviously I'm in on Jameer Gibbs at that cost. I've gotten him, I think, in four out of my five startups since the rookie draft. 
Um, and I'm just all in at that cost if you can get him at the two, three turn. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you who you have as your RB2, but I guess that's been pretty much settled. It's Brees Hall. It is, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I agree with you. I have Brees as my RB2 as well. I have no idea you know, where I'd have him barring the injury, but what you say makes a lot of sense. He was really blowing up there. He looked fantastic. He was getting so many targets. Now you bring in the huge quarterback upgrade in Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if there were no health concerns going into the season, I think he would be in that conversation as a top five redraft pick as well. So it makes a lot of sense. And he's still only like 22 years old. He was very young entering the league. So I do love Brees, absolutely willing to buy him. Uh, and I'm starting to become more optimistic about his outlook for this season. It just seems like we've gotten so many positive reports and he is so young and such a solid athlete. Like I think we could see him come out and I don't know, just come out and perform at roughly his level from last year pretty early on in the season and then from there i mean he's just going to shoot up the rankings so what do you think of the um rumors this offseason i know there were some rumors that the jets were interested in jameer gibbs and might have taken him at the 15th pick and now there's rumors that they're interested in dalvin cook do you think that says anything about how the jets see Brees <laughs> hall or is it just your random offseason bs I'd be lying if I said I have a really well thought out take on it. Um, I guess I would say that Jameer Gibbs is one of those guys where I think coaches talk themselves into seeing him as more of like a weapon than a running back. Uh, like I think that drafting him wouldn't necessarily be an indictment on the current running back room, it's more one of these things where coaches overthink the way they want to deploy players. And so they see what Gibbs can do on the field and they think like, wow, I could use him as like this Swiss army knife who can do everything. It's kind of like Tavon Austin, but good, I guess. And so I don't know. I don't know what that says about Hall. Maybe they were more concerned about his recovery timeline at that point, but the cook rumors are more recent. So yeah, it's hard to say there if there's maybe some residual concern about that, or maybe they just really want to have good depth. They don't have anybody really behind Hall. Like Michael Carter is terrible. Zonovan Knight's terrible. Izzy Abanacanda is interesting, but he's a fifth-round rookie. Like Maybe this is just a contending team that wants to make sure they have all their bases covered, and if they can get Dalvin Cook to be a backup slash early season fill-in for an, uh, an affordable price, then they want to go ahead and do that. Yeah, and we know how much Rodgers likes to use his running backs and, you know, the passing game. So that, that would make sense there. Um, I'm interested in Christian McCaffrey because he's obviously the odd man out here, 27 years old, um, has the most production history of any of these guys. Do you personally have him in this tier? I know ADP has him at RB2, but how do you feel about CMC's value? I do have him in this tier. I'd have him kind of neck and neck with JT. I think if you're going into a very... If you have a very, very strong team, I think he's the kind of player worth investing in, like maybe turning a Jonathan Taylor into a McCaffrey. If you know, you're know you trying to get your team into that contention for the number one seed. If I'm not a heavy favorite, it's really hard to justify rostering him because he has so much downside risk where you know any kind of injury this year, it's probably over for him. We don't really know what it's going to look like after this year. He's 27 years old and people try to say that he's going to have a longer career because he's a pass catcher. I don't really think we've seen evidence that that's like a thing that actually exists. I, I, 
we look at the running backs that are aging, you know, Derek Henry is more of a rusher. Nick Chubb's more of a rusher. Adrian Peterson was a rusher. Like I don't necessarily think he's going to last longer in the league because he's a pass catcher hot, you know, high volume is high volume and he has dealt with injuries in the past. So he's, he does scare me a little bit and I don't have a lot of shares, but he might be a guy that I try to pick up, you know, on my best teams. If I have some excess value, I can kind of push in for a true blue chip asset. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I don't like him where his ADP is at the 205, but in most Mm -hmm. drafts that I've done, he ends up falling to the 2-3 turn. And at that point, I'm comfortable with him because you're deciding between guys like him or Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. They all provide essentially the same type of value at different positions. And comparing him to a guy like, I don't know, Chris Olave or Bryce Young, who goes around that range, who might never provide that kind of game-breaking production i'm i agree i'm i'm happy with cmc around this area yeah i did just take him at the 212 in a mock draft that we were doing for the site and i was building more of a contending roster so i started with mahomes and then took mccaffrey i did take a lave i was i was thinking of taking kelsey and mccaffrey but i kind of chickened out um even though it was a mock draft so that's kind of silly but i kind of chickened out on like the you know two super aging assets but yeah, you know, you can definitely take him. There. The thing about taking him there in a startup is that it does kind of lock you into a exactly. certain build so early, and on it in locks the draft. you in so so early. And it's not like Jonathan Taylor, where even if you decide to not really be a huge contender year one, Jonathan Taylor still has utility. The tough thing mm-hmm. about McCaffrey, there's only three teams in your league who are who's even interested in him if you want to make a trade. So it can be difficult to trade a guy like McCaffrey. So that's, I agree with you. It's, it's locking you in too early. Exactly. So for a, for a different reason than with Bijan, I think he's another guy where I'd rather trade for him, where my team is kind of set up for him already, as opposed to drafting him and then trying to figure out the rest, because you just don't yeah. know who's going to fall to you in a startup. Is it going to be conducive to building a win now team? Because if the value starts to fall where you can build more of a productive struggle roster, you're going to be, you know, kicking yourself that you invested your second round pick in a 27 year old running back. So I, I think you have to tread lightly in startups, but a guy that I'm willing to push the chips in on, on certain teams with Gibbs. Yeah. I I mean, I love the price. I was able to pick him up earlier in the off season, like post rookie post NFL draft in the late third, a couple Mm -hmm. of times. He's actually my most rostered running back. As long as you don't count like guys that have their ADPs in the two hundreds. And, uh, and I'm loving it. I mean, I'm really excited to see what he can bring to the field. I think he has a lot of upside as soon as this year. Yeah. If you look at Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Reggie Bush, these are all guys that hit 80 plus receptions in their rookie years. And I think Gibbs could be the next guy to join them. They all had 19% target shares or better. And we know Gibbs has all the talent in the world as a pass catcher. You know, if you look at this Detroit lions offense and kind of base projection of, maybe 575, 580 pass attempts. It would only take like a 17 and a half percent target share to get up to a hundred targets. And then you throw in nine or 10 carries a game. I think there's a really clear path to low end RB one production, at least this season. Do you, do you think he could hit at that level? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think he's incredibly cheap, especially in redraft, but he's well or underpriced in dynasty as well. 
Um, it doesn't take that much usage if you're getting that type of receiving work to be elite. I, I was in a Twitter conversation the other day uh, where, you know, someone was saying if he's getting 12 to 15 touches, how does he get to be an uh, RB1? It's really not that hard. I mean, Swift was an RB1 per game last year, and he only had 13 touches a game. So if we're going to say that Gibbs is a better running back, he has better draft capital, maybe he'll get a few more touches. It's really not that hard. Gibbs could only have three touchdowns next year, and if he gets five catches and seven carries a game, he's going to be an RB1. Yeah, I think people kind of overestimate the points per game needed to f- sneak into that low end RB1 range. It's not and I think, hard. And I think that people still don't understand the difference between a target and a carry. Like the, the discussion around raw touches is just deeply flawed because a target is worth like two and a half times as many fantasy points as a carry. And he's going to be, you know, right up there in targets, probably top five at the position in targets on a really strong offense. So, you know, he's not he's not precluded from scoring touchdowns either. Even if David Montgomery is their preferred goal line back, I'm sure he's going to break off some big plays. He's going to be in there on certain series. He's they're probably going to draw up some plays for him, you know, in the red zone, passing plays, swing route, screen plays, whatever. He has a really big chance to, to score really well as a rookie, which is going to be great for his dynasty value. I think, I think he has a very good chance to be the RB three in dynasty by this time next year. Yep. Me too. Yeah, that's what I would. That's what I would expect. You know, if you if you put a gun to my head and you said, okay, it's Bijan, it's Brees Hall, and then it's who? I, I think it's very likely that it's Jameer Gibbs after that. So he's a guy I really want to invest in because I can use him now. I can reap the rewards in terms of value, and I can sell him if I want, or I can just ride it out. It's just he's a guy that gives you a lot of flexibility, and we know that these first round rookie running backs are great bets to accrue value in year one. So yeah, yeah, very happy to have him. All right. Perfect. Uh, let's look at this next tier then. So we've covered five running backs. This next tier is much larger. It's Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Travis Etienne, Kenneth Walker, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Nick Chubb, and Tony Pollard. This covers a range from 307 to 504. It's a very big tier, but I couldn't really figure out where to cut it any earlier. To me, these guys are all in the same tier, generally speaking. Not that I don't have my preference, but I, I do think that they all belong in this conversation for one reason or another. And I think this is the tier that's really going to determine fantasy championships this year, especially in dynasty leagues. I think navigating this tier, because some of these guys are going to be high-end RB1s, real difference makers, and some of them are going to really disappoint based on where their ADP is. So do you have a favorite from this group? Um, it's kind of a cop out, but my favorite is just going to be whoever's cheapest. I, I see people take Saquon Barkley in the middle of the third round and I just don't get it at all. Like why? Like he, he, he is not going to score better than Tony Pollard this year, than Ramondre Stevenson this year, than Austin Eckler this year. He has more injury issues. He's the same age. He's at least older than Ramondre is. So uh, Saquon is definitely my least favorite. Um, my number one recommendation that I've made to my various patrons has been to acquire either Ramondre or Tony Pollard. Um, if you're on a team that's contending and needs that extra boost, I feel that those two players are really good bets to finish in the top 10 this year. They have immense upside. We already saw some of that last season and this season they enter as the clear RB ones in their offenses. Um, and I think that they're pretty cheap. Like you can get Ramondre or Pollard for a late first. You're not going to be able to get Saquon for a late first. So 
I'm happy taking those guys. I'm happy with Josh Jacobs. I don't see any reason he should drop off from last year. I think the more interesting guys, like I kind of see this as two, two groupings, right? You got Pollard, Ramondre, Chubb, Najee, uh, Saquon. Then you got kind of Kenneth Walker and ETN in another bucket. And then you got Eckler as kind of the slightly older guy. Uh, yeah. Do you find yourself leaning towards one of these players or a group of these players more than another? I think we're seeing eye to eye here. I totally agree. I was going to make the same point about Barkley that I don't think if you look at his like median projection for this season, I don't really see what makes him a massively better bet than Pollard or Ramondre or Jacobs. Like when I'm in a best ball draft, I'm happy to be at that late second round and just soak up the value on those other running backs. It's It feels like you're just paying for name value because, I mean, we saw him last year handle a ton of touches. And, I mean, he, did he even have 18 points per game? I don't think he did. No. I, yeah. And, and, and if you're going to go for a guy like Saquon, just go get Austin Eckler, who's cheaper. And Eckler's had 21 points a game the last two seasons, while Saquon mm. hasn't been above 18 since his rookie year. So... It, the Saquon investment doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm I'm not investing in Saquon. I, I'm not really investing in Eckler either. He yeah. makes me a little bit wary just because his efficiency as a rusher has really fallen off. And I don't know. It's like he has gotten all these targets, but it just it seems weird that a guy his size has scored so many touchdowns over the past two years. It just doesn't seem like the kind of thing that would keep up. And with the Chargers having, I don't know, like they've had a good offense, but they've also struggled in some key spots. And maybe, maybe they want to kind of rework the offense to not feature a 28 year old, 200 pound running back so much in the passing game. Like maybe they, maybe they want to, you know, use Quentin Johnson more, use Mike Williams more down the field. You know, Justin Herbert is like way too talented to have an A dot that low. So yeah, I don't know. There's something about that whole situation that makes me a little bit anxious. And I don't think he would thrive in another environment either. So, I'm, I'm kind of avoiding him. I'm, I'd much rather go all the way down to the bottom of this tier and pick up, like you said, whoever's left. Usually it's either Pollard or Ramondre. Uh, they have t typically have the latest draft position of this group. And yeah, I really love the way that they project for this year. I, I think there are definitely a lot of dynasty gamers that are wary to invest in a 25 to 26 year old running back for fair reasons. I mean, we've been burned before, but I think what's missed and I didn't really come up with this. I, I think I heard it on the uh, the Legendary Upside podcast sometime. I don't know. Stuff just comes in my brain, and it just like bounces <laughs> around in there, and then it comes out. And but if you think about running backs, like even the young ones aren't really good ways to store value. Yeah. Uh, if you look back over the years, guys like Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, these guys were second, third round startup picks that never paid off their price in terms of production. And then they sunk like stones when they experienced injuries, when things they didn't get the usage people expected. They didn't hold their value. Like they got up all they got all this hype going into year two or year three, and then they just bottomed out and you never really got anything out of it. And so when I'm buying a running back or I'm drafting a running back, my primary interest, like the vast majority of the reason I'm taking that player is immediate points. What yeah. am I getting out of them this year? And in that way, like honestly look at redraft rankings or like best ball ADP that's pretty close to what the dynasty ranking should look like. There aren't really that many massive exceptions. If you're not getting a lot of production out of a running back right now, then they probably are overvalued, you know, relative to where they're going in dynasty. 
Yeah, no, I think that's very well said. I mean, you're not, it's not a good store of value anyways, so you shouldn't care about value as much. Um, yeah, no, I think that that's very well said. I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Kenneth Walker because he's a guy who might go against <laughs> that grain a little bit where hypothetically he should be a good store of value. He's a talented player. He's only entering his second year, but the whole Charbonnet issue, Charbonnet's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, he's going to, you know, his contract goes just as long as Kenneth Walker does actually a year longer. So what are you doing with Kenneth Walker? Who's probably not giving you RB one value this year. Although I, I have some, some contention to that. Um, and you know, is he, is he worth holding at this point? Well, that's interesting. Now I want to hear your contention to that because Walker is definitely my least favorite guy in this tier. Yeah. I had zero shares prior to the Charbonnet draft pick, so I have acquired zero shares since. I haven't really had to do a lot of thinking about what to do with Kenneth Walker, but yeah, I'm a pretty heavy avoid. I just think I didn't like his prospects as a pass catcher. I didn't think he was going to be used that way, and now it's pretty clear he's not going to be used that way. And Charbonnet is not going to get no carries. And so it's just like for Walker to hit as like a legitimate RB one, it just feels like a very narrow path where he's going to need to have like 15, 16 touchdowns or something like that, where I don't know, I'm just comfortable going with any of these other guys. Even if I do think he's more likely uh, to retain a little more value than some of these older guys, especially like an Eckler or Barkley. I just don't know if I care because I don't know if he's ever going to be giving me more than like 13, 14 points per game. Yeah, which makes sense. And again, from a value perspective, like what you're saying is spot on. I I think where I'm a little bit more optimistic with Walker is there is room in this offense for him to be on that RB1, RB2 border. And in that case, you are kind of playing the middle game where you're getting some good production from him and you're maintaining value because the truth is a guy, any of the other guys that we've mentioned other than maybe ETN who like is a little bit different, if they get injured, their value goes to almost zero. And during next off season, there's going to be rumors that they're going to draft someone or trade for someone, basically no matter what. Like as soon as you get past your league's trade deadline, Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson's value goes way down because people are going to assume that the Cowboys and Pats are going to add someone. So I like Walker a little bit more than you, it sounds like. But again, I'm just taking the last guy in this tier. Basically mm -hmm. the way that I view it is if I haven't drafted a running back before the fifth round, let's say, or before the third round, let's say one of the top five, I'm definitely taking at least one guy in this tier. And if I am not, then I'm definitely punting. And there's nothing wrong in my opinion in a startup with punting. Um, but if I'm contending, I almost always have either Chubb or Pollard or Ramondre or Jacobs or oftentimes mm -hmm. two or three of those guys. Yeah. And I like that approach, I guess. My pushback would be this, like if you're in a startup, right. And you're, you've got to pick where you're kind of positioned in the middle of this tier and you can't trade back. Are you taking Walker over? Who are you taking Walker over out of this group? Like I, I definitely would take him over Najee Harris. I don't know if I would take him over anybody else in this tier. So I would take him over Nick Chubb, who I do think is in for a big year. The issue okay. with Nick Chubb is just age. I don't think he has like his value is guaranteed to go down after this year, purely due to age. Um, right. Austin Eckler, I'll probably take, uh, 
I don't know. That's I'll probably take him <laughs> over Eckler just because I want the flexibility there. But otherwise, you're right. I mean, I, I haven't drafted Walker in any of my startups. What Who I would take him over is, I know we're not talking about wide receivers, but some of these mediocre wide receivers who are going in the fifth round, like Michael Pittman and DJ oh, Moore, yeah. I'm taking Walker more. over guys like that. But yeah. I agree. From the running back position, I'm I'm probably waiting until the yeah. like early fifth and just hammering Ramondre yeah. and Pollard. Yeah, By the way, their, my I, comparison now for Walker's usage is Tony Pollard last year. If if that gives interesting, you a, a little bit of a picture of what his upside might be. I think Pollard. I think I. Th- I don't. I'd be surprised if he's really used the way Pollard was as a receiver. But but yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. You know, he's the explosive runner. He's gonna get. He's going to break off big plays. Um, if he can, if the offense can run a lot of plays and he can be really efficient, you could definitely still see some utility out of him. I forgot Nick Chubb was in this tier. I think that's a good call. I'd probably take him over Chubb. Um, and I would take him over those wide receivers. Speaking of DJ Moore, I feel like he's the perfect example of how wide receivers are a store of value and not running backs. Like, yeah, he's been at the top of the rankings for how many years in a row and like never paid off at all. And he just keeps he'll drop like half a round every year and just never go away. Like that's, that's really, if you want to store dynasty value, like go get a young wide receiver, but don't go draft a young running back thinking that that's some kind of safe investment. Cause it just, it just is not. And honestly, the guy that heads up this next tier is the perfect example of that. So tier four, we have Javante Williams, JK Dobbins, Damian Pierce, and Derek Henry. They're very tightly grouped. I think all four of these guys go in a range of six picks from the five eleven to the six Oh three. Uh, but they're very different types of players. You have Derrick Henry, who's like kind of a contention only play. Obviously, I think he's 29. And then you have Javante Williams, who's more of a like a rebuild target. Although I think that's kind of misguided. And then you have Dobbins and Pierce, who you can hypothetically draft on any kind of team. They're still pretty young. They look like they'll score points this year. What do you think about this group? Uh, so Damian Pierce, I think is a terrible, terrible pick in this group. I don't understand his value at all. Um, I think we essentially saw his ceiling last year. I think Devin Singletary is going to get a lot of work. I see no receiving upside for Damian Pierce. He's going to be on maybe the worst offense in the NFL. So if I'm going to, if I want production, I'm going to go with Derrick Henry. If I want some type of either near-term or long-term upside, I'm going to go with Javante and Dobbins. How good would Pierce have to be for him not to have questions about his usage going into next off season? I just don't see it as really that likely. Yeah, I think he he is a touch too high here. I mean, I would never take him over Dobbins. That's for sure. Like, I think Dobbins offers you everything Pierce does and more. Like, he's going to be in a much better offense. He's yeah. a more talented player. I don't I don't really see what the case would be to take Pierce over him. I understand why someone would take Pierce as opposed to Derrick Henry in in a certain build, but at that point, I'd rather just wait at the position and take somebody else. So, yeah, I'm not really going to get any of him at this price. I think Javante is still pretty overpriced here as well. I I, I can't recall if you're a Javante guy or not. I yeah, think so- his price is better than it was earlier this offseason. Like he's he's gone down because I remember a time when him and Dobbins were over a round apart, and I thought that yeah. made no sense because. I'd personally take Dobbins over him in, in pretty much every situation. But now that they've kind of converged on each other, I think it's at least a more reasonable bet. So I'm curious if Javante didn't get hurt, or look, I, I guess it's hard to say because you don't know how the rest of last season would have gone. But l- let's say Javante was coming into this year with a clean bill of health. Let's say he broke his ankle instead of tore mm-hmm. his ACL. So he's going to be healthy this year. 
would you have him in the tier above or what, what, what would you be thinking about him? I, I think he'd be more likely to be, yeah, at the tail end of that previous tier above. Um, but also we'd have more information on him, right? Like we really don't know what his deployment will even look like once he's fully healthy, because we only got that one, maybe one and a half games of him as like a full on workhorse. Before that, Melvin Gordon was keeping him at bay pretty well, which is kind of scary considering that Melvin Gordon became the worst running back in the NFL the second he was released by the Broncos. Like, I mean, that you can definitely chalk it up to incompetent coaching. It, it probably was, but we just don't know with Sean Payton coming in. We we don't know with Javante's track record where he always has kind of split the backfield. Like, do we know that he's going to get that full-time usage at some point? Because I'm not confident that he's going to be fully healthy this year. And if he is, it's not till late in the year. And then after he is healthy, I still have questions about what his role is going to be. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I personally am higher on Javante than this, and it's purely just an evaluation thing for me. I was incredibly high on him coming out of college. You're right. There are a lot of issues there, but I view Javante, I mean, he got 21 targets in the first three games of last season before he got injured. I think he has that receiving upside, and I think he's just a more talented running back than any of the guys we're going to discuss other than guys like Derrick Henry, who obviously have just, you know, aged out a little bit. Um, personally, I have Javante in tier three. I have him above guys like Nick Chubb, um, above Najee Harris, above ETN. Um, I'm pretty in on Javante. It looks like he's not going to be on the pup and will probably, you know, split carries the first few weeks. And I think he's going to be that 60-40 guy. To me, I like him um, as a buy low right now, uh, but... Again, I don't love taking him in the fifth round. A guy like Quentin Johnston, for instance, who's going in a similar range, just has so much more value upside and value safety that I totally understand taking uh, not going running back in this position. I, I probably wouldn't take a running back in, you know, early to mid round mm -hmm. five at this point. Can we circle back quickly to the last tier then? Because yeah. you said you have him over ETN. And you also said you don't necessarily want to take Javante over someone in the fifth round like Quentin Johnson. So how low do you have Travis Etienne? Because that's like, I'm pretty low on him, I think, relative to the market, but I, I think you're even lower than me. Uh, I apologize, just looking at my board now. Um, I do have Javante below Etienne. I have him higher than Austin Eckler, um, which might interest some people, <laughs> and higher uh, higher than Nick Chubb. But I have him in the okay. same range as Pollard, Ramondre, and Jacobs. They're all in the same tier for me. Um, it's just a matter of what, what you want from the position. Like you're definitely going to get more production from those other three guys. I just think Javante's production could come a lot closer. And I do think his upside is still higher in terms of his value, but I wouldn't blame anyone for taking a guy like Jacobs. The, the issue is again, if you take a 26 year old running back, your trading options are just limited. And, and I like to be a guy who anytime someone's looking to trade someone in the league, I can offer them what they're looking for. Yeah, it does limit your trading options more with the older guys. I guess J.K. Dobbins would be my counterpoint. I yeah. think the pass catching is definitely the missing piece here that Javante does have a, a higher ceiling in that regard than Dobbins. But if you look at last year, like Dobbins came back, he struggled. And honestly, at that point, it was really hard to get anything from him in a trade. Like, because anybody that was contending obviously didn't want him. And then people that were rebuilding were like, well, I don't even know it. Like, I don't know if, if he's going to be healthy again. I don't know what it's going to look like next year. I need him to play well again before I can really buy in. And so 
I had Dobbins on a couple of teams and I felt pretty boxed in. I ended up selling low uh, in, a, in one or two spots where I kind of regret it for like a, like what amounted to like an early or mid second round pick. So that's where I think it could go for Javante. If he comes back and he's not himself right away, I don't know that you're going to have the flexibility that you think. Yeah. And I get that. And I do like JK Dobbins. I think he's a good player. Obviously he didn't look good coming back last season, but that's not really that big of a surprise. My issue with JK Dobbins, and you mentioned this uh, earlier, I mentioned Javante had 21 targets in his last three games. JK Dobbins has 32 targets in his career. <laughs> and yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm just not interested. Like I it's, yeah. what is this guy's ceiling? Like, at this point, I would rather just take a guy like Rashad White uh, three rounds later than a guy like J.K. Dobbins here because he's going to split workload with Lamar Jackson, with Gus Edwards. It seems like they're going to throw more. They're not going to throw to the running back more because they have all these tight ends. I, I just don't see much upside. I think he's locked into you know 12 and a half fantasy points a game, which is mm. useful. Uh, but again, I just don't see the upside for him. I think I'm a little higher on him than you. I think he can, I think in this new offense, I, he can get up to like a two, two and a half receptions per game kind of guy, like kind of like Chubb has been throughout his career. I don't really have a great statistical analysis or like basis for that. It just, that's what I think he can be in this offense. And so I'm a little bit higher on him, uh, but we won't dwell on it there. Cause I don't really have a, I don't really have like an ACE in the hole in that argument. I just, I just like, I just like his price right now. I think he's, my favorite out of that tier, but firmly below the guys we talked about earlier in my mind. Um, looking at tier five here, this is where things start to get really gross. I think we have five players, um, DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, Rashad White, Joe Mixon, and Cam Akers, all going within about a round from the 704 to the 805. I don't know why Swift is at the top of this tier. I feel like his price is still way too high. Um, may, I'd like to hear what you think about Swift, but I don't really know what we're hoping for. Like he's going into his fourth season. He has no insulation left to speak of. He's just been traded for a, like a conditional fourth round pick um, to a team that was dead last in running back target percentage last season. The, the Eagles had 61 total targets to running backs. And like, that's where Swift makes his money is in the passing game. So even if there's an uptick there, I don't really think there's a whole lot of upside. So in terms of like this year's projection and future value, I, I don't really see anything positive in Swift's profile, but what do you think about him as an asset at this point? Uh, yeah. I mean, I pretty much agree by the way, the only other team with less than 60 pass attempts to running backs was Baltimore, uh, just to point that out. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, I completely agree with Swift. I mean, the thing is, is, you need a Rashad Penny injury, which has been a good bet historically. And you probably need a Gainwell injury for him to actually be that effective because he's not going to get the rushing workload that you're imagining from him. And like you said, why would they throw to the running backs? Because they have Jalen Hurts, who's not going to dump off. And they have three elite receiving options or two elite and one good receiving option. So I agree. I don't see upside for Swift. I see no value floor. Like if Swift came out, they decided they prefer gain well in camp and Swift doesn't play week one. That would not surprise me that much. So totally I don't agree. know what you're getting from Swift. The only potential upside that I could see is next off season, some team signs him and it looks like he's going to be the belt. Like, like Carolina did with miles Sanders. But at that point, just buy Swift in December and cash in the value then. So yeah, I, I agree. Think, I, mm -hmm. I'm not buying Swift. 
I don't know. Like things would have to go so well for him in the off season to become significantly more pricey than he already is. Like yeah. as a second contract running back going like, in his fifth year in the league, who's never really put together a full season. Like, even if he does get a decent landing spot next year, is he really going to be going higher than like the sixth round in startups? That's where Dobbins is going. That's where Damian Pierce is going. Like, I really don't think that there's a path for him, you know, outside of the most narrow of outcomes, like you said, a penny Gainwell injury. But even then, like, I think they'd still just throw Boston Scott in there and give him half the goal line carries that like the Eagles. I don't know. I, I think the Eagles are very much like a talent driven kind of situation. Like they're going to let the best guy, the best players touch the ball. And it's not even like they have an investment in Swift that they have to pay off. No. You know, it's a fourth round pick. So there's no guarantees here and and people are still kind of overestimating the talent. I think he does some things really well, but he's also made a lot of mistakes and he gives coaches headaches sometimes with the decision-making. And I just really won't be surprised if he has a pretty like mediocre role in this offense. I, I want no part of him at this price. Yeah. I but, mean, my projections have swift outside the top 36 running backs. So. Yeah. So you are not high, not high at all. If you want to draft DeAndre Swift, take him in best ball. Don't take yep. him in your dynasty startup, please. I'm begging you. Uh, what about, well, Miles Sanders is another guy that I'm staying well away from. So maybe touch on Sanders and then, um, and then give me your thoughts on Joe Mixon. Cause I think he might be actually the best bet out of this group. Yeah. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Miles Sanders. Cause I'm actually in on Miles Sanders purely from essentially a redraft perspective, but what, why are you out on him? Um, well, I don't think he's going to catch passes. First of all, I don't believe it. Like I, he wasn't, he was really bad in, in Philadelphia outside of his rookie year. He was really, really bad as a pass catcher. The team decided not to use him that way. Even, you know, in the limited opportunities that there were, they really didn't want to throw him the ball. I don't, I guess I just don't believe that Carolina is actually going to utilize him that way. I also don't think it's going to be a very good offense. I don't think they're going to score that many touchdowns and while Sanders has always been efficient in his career, he's also played behind arguably the best offensive line in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, he's going to a team that look, I don't stay up to date on all of the offensive line rankings, but I don't think the Panthers have a particularly incredible offensive line. Um, I don't, I don't think that having a rookie quarterback is really going to do him any favors in terms of opening up rushing lanes. I don't think that the wide receiver weapons in Carolina are going to do much fit many favors in terms of opening up rushing lanes. Like, I just think he has a really uphill battle to provide anything more than like low end RB two production. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't really think he's the kind of guy they're going to give 300 carries to, but it's, it, it's interesting because in a way I'm not interested because he has no value floor. So I would rather just take uh, James Connor, right. Who's going to have just as good of a year, if not better. And neither of them have any like locked in role for 2024. Exactly. But I think Miles Sanders is going to have a very good year. First of all, I think Chuba Hubbard is not even a real running back. I, I think <laughs> last year is probably the backup there. Um, but I think Sanders is going to get basically all he can eat. Their offensive line was about average last season, but it is the only offensive line in the NFL returning all five of their starters, which is interesting. They're going to have a bad offense, but it's going to be an offense where I think there's a lot of dump offs. We know Jameer Gibbs led Alabama in receiving last year. I think that Bryce Young is going to throw to his running backs quite a bit. 
I don't think they're going to scheme up receptions for him. I think he's just going to get receptions because none of their wide receivers can get open and Bryce Young is going to have to dump it off. So I do see a pretty strong year ahead for Miles Sanders. That being said, I would much rather take some other upside wide receivers in this range or typically get my second or third quarterback in this range. Guys like Geno Smith, Derek Carr, I much prefer to a guy like Miles Sanders. I think that's a really solid counter argument and I'll, and I'll have to think on that. I, I do like what you're saying there. Uh, but I think what you brought up about who you'd rather draft is really the key. Cause we, at the end of the day, this is still a dynasty show. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily a redraft show. And I like what you said about James Conner, because I think in a lot of cases you could flip miles Sanders for James Conner in a second. And I'd absolutely do that because then yep. you get your, your projection for this season, you get your store of value much safer and you just have these two separate assets that are really doing the job that miles Sanders would be doing for you. Um, but just more efficiently, you know, in, in each side of it. So that's what I'd rather do. And I, and I do agree in this like round seven, round eight range. I love the wide receivers. You can get like Deontay Johnson, Calvin Ridley here. Um, there's a lot of guys that I like in this range where I'd much rather be taking receiver than running back. If I don't get my running backs early, you know, by the end of that, like Nick Chubb tier, I'm just going to wait a while. I'm just going to wait. I'll let this group pass me by. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anybody here, but if there's somebody I am willing to take, um, I'm coming around on Joe Mixon as a decent buy because I think with every passing day, it's becoming more and more likely that he is the starter for the Bengals, that he's not cut or traded or arrested or suspended. It it just seems like he's going to be the guy again. And that just seems like a better option or like a better version of what James Conner is offering you, right? He's, he's going to be in one of the best offenses in the league. He's going to get a bunch of carries. Samaje P Ryan's gone. Maybe he gets even more receptions. He did set a career high last year. Like, this is just a guy I think you could kind of ride into the ground and get one more like RB one season out of. And at his current price, I think that's pretty appealing. Yeah. I, I don't think James, Co- I don't think Joe Mixon is good at football anymore, but I don't think it matters. Like I, I have very exactly. similar take as you do. He's going to get the workload, especially that because they lost P Ryan. Um, we haven't heard any rumors about Dalvin cook, for instance, to Cincinnati. So what I'm doing in this range, I usually do grab a running back in the range of rounds like eight to 11, but it's just whoever falls, you know, whether it's Joe Mixon or, uh, you know, James Connor or guys that we're going to touch on later, like Aaron Jones. I'm, I'm, I'm not being picky in this range. If I'm contending, I want one of those guys. That's like, just going to get me, you know, low end RB one production this year, but, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm not particularly picky about it. Yeah, exactly. And the opportunity cost just isn't that high, depending on how the wide receivers shake out. It depends on your draft room. Like sometimes the wide receivers just go insanely high. And then it's like all too easy to click the button on someone like Joe Mixon Mm -hmm. in the eighth or ninth round. Um, But it's like in terms of other running backs, you know, what are you passing up on? Right. Like none of these guys are even if they're young are particularly safe. Right. Like Cam Akers is another guy in this tier who's younger than Mixon. He might be better than Mixon, but really, what are you missing out on? I don't think he has a massive ceiling, and I don't think that he's necessarily safe beyond this season. So you're just not missing out on anything by grabbing Joe Mixon. I think that's something that I've kind of come to accept just this offseason is like the actual the actual age doesn't really matter for most of these running backs because yeah. they're really on a year-to-year basis no matter what. Their, their values are going to fluctuate wildly based on the circumstances around them. And whether they're young or not just shouldn't make up that much of what we think of them. 
Right. It's the years on the contract that matters more, which is why a guy like Rashad White is more valuable than Cam Akers, even though I believe he's older because he has that extra years on his contract. Rashad White is someone I do want to touch on. Is he in this tier or is that the next one? He, he is in this tier, and that's a really good point about the, the years on the contract. So, yeah, please follow up on White. Yeah, so the thing about Rashad White is that, and he's probably the guy in this tier that I would take, um, just because I do like the flexibility he provides, is that he does have a lot of upside this year. I mean, they didn't add anyone at the position. No, I don't care about an undrafted running back, so I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> but he has that receiving upside. I mean, he I think he has the number one uh, yards per route run and target share of any running back uh, taken in the first three rounds in the last decade, uh, again, coming out of college. He was bad last year, but that whole offense was pretty much a mess. It's going to be a mess again this year, but I think he could get Miles Sanders-type workload, except more of those touches being slanted towards receiving, which, as you mentioned, is two and a half times more valuable than a carry. And more importantly, if he does have an RB1 year, now he's got two years left on a rookie deal. Mm -hmm. He was just drafted two years ago, so a lot of people are still, you know, in on the post hype idea of him. So I could see his value upside hitting, you know, the fifth round of startups next year, if he does have a low end RB one season. So from a value perspective, he's, he's not safe, but I do see some upside for him where you could be kind of getting some production and value gain from a guy like Rashad white. I totally agree. He ha Rashad white has the most to gain out of this tier in terms yeah. of value. And it's, it's like you said, it's because he's a year two back and it's because he catches passes, you know, you could, you could grab him and get a, you know, a high end running back two season out of him. I think running back RB one is, is a big ask, but not impossible. No, you're right. Uh, and, and then you could resell him. Even if he's this, even if he's going in the exact same place next year, you, that's still a win because you're banking the production and you're not losing anything. And then you have an asset that's exactly the same value. So I do like him out of this tier as well. I think he is my my favorite investment in this tier, especially if I'm not going like insanely win now, because then maybe I'll just take Mixon. But but I, I do like that point there. Um, we have two more tiers to get through, and we'll hit them a little more quickly just because the players are kind of less significant, less interesting. But tier six is going to start with Zach Charbonnet. And then we've got Isaiah Pacheco, Aaron Jones, Devin Achain, Alexander Madison, James Cook, Kendra Miller, Dalvin Cook. And this stretches from the 810 to the 1001. I'm kind of surprised that Madison's ADP isn't higher. Maybe it hasn't had quite enough time to adjust post-Dalvin Cook release. I'm, I can't remember how far out we are from that, but it feels like it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I, I would think he would be up in that tier above, kind of going alongside Akers or Mixon. But I... I I approve of his of his price here. I think that's a that's more reasonable. Uh, but yeah, this is just a mixture of guys that for the most part I want nothing to do with. You know, somebody like Isaiah Pacheco is kind of that classic low ceiling and low value insulation running back that's just kind of pointless in dynasty. Like just trade for a dusty veteran that's gonna score more points or yep. trade him for a draft pick that's not gonna lose value. I I don't really get what the what the use case is for an Isaiah Pacheco, but is there, do you have thoughts on him specifically? And then is there someone in this group that you do like at cost? Yeah. I mean, I'm not interested in running backs who catch less than one catch a game, especially with McKinnon still there with CEH coming back. Uh, I, I'm not interested in Pacheco this range. There's not a single running back here that I am, that I feel neutral on. So I'll just quickly say who I'm buying and I'm selling. 
I am buying Zach Charbonnet. I think his contingent upside is massive. I still believe in the talent. I'm buying Devon Achain for a similar reason. Um, I just really like the upside there. Everyone else I am basically selling, specifically Pacheco, Madison, and both of the Cooks, I am highly out on. The only guy I'm okay with at cost is Aaron Jones, but he is getting up there in age. I think he's 28, um, and we don't know what's going to happen in that offense. So I'm not going to roster a lot of Aaron Jones either. In general, I'm pretty much fading here because I can see guys going three rounds later who I value very similarly. Yep. Couldn't agree more. I don't think I've drafted a single one of these guys in a startup with the exception of I did draft Aaron Jones once this offseason. And in one league, I drafted Isaiah Pacheco and then I immediately tilted. I like, I, I like, as my thumb was pressing the button, I was like, wait, don't do it. Uh, Like some kind of, I don't know, dark force had taken over my body he was the last one left in the tier in my defense uh and he had fallen past his adp like to the end of the 10th round i think so wasn't the worst thing in the world but since then i've kind of come to (laughs) come to just accept that i would have been better off not taking him at all um i am fading this group i i think that the upside of someone like james cook is definitely being overstated yeah um i think dalvin cook's washed i think i i like your point on charbonnet i he's probably my favorite of this group and he does go the earliest so that makes sense he at least has that hypothetical contingent upside and he's a rookie. He's got that kind of prototypical build for a three down running back. So you can at least paint the picture there, which is important. And you can paint the picture with, with him and with that chain as well of a huge value boost, right? Like yes. if that chain gets, gets, you know, 150 touches this year, he's going to be going in the top six rounds next year. I actually have at chain and Charbonnet both in my top 24 which is the tier that ends around Miles Sanders. So I okay. am higher on those guys for sure. Um, what I like to do with running backs in this tier is wait till they get hype, flip them for another running back in this tier plus a second, and just repeat. So I recently oh, traded Alexander Madison for Isaiah Pacheco and a second. Um, again, I don't love Pacheco, but I'm sure when Pacheco, when Pacheco have, has a big week one, I'll flip him for Kendra Miller in a second. So keep uh, keep <laughs> on going that. round and around. That is a creative trade strategy and i love it you guys got to do that um yeah that's that's great i do like i do like a chain i don't want it to be i don't want to be misconstrued as some kind of sizist that absolutely hates devon a chain i do like him i just preferred getting him in rookie drafts at like yeah. the 112 201 as opposed to the startup where i have all these other players available to me it just feels like when i'm at that point in a draft i'm still looking at wide receivers i'm still looking at you know other positions it, sometimes tight ends that i like will fall here like greg dulcich and um michael mayer so it's 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 one thing in a in a rookie draft i don't i don't mind rostering him at all i think he does have that upside but not my favorite pick in a startup uh last tier we'll hit and then at that point it's like just pick your favorite guy um so this is our tier seven we've got david montgomery alvin Kamara, aj dillon james connor antonio gibson roshan johnson uh, brian robinson not Bijan robinson tank bigsby and khalil herbert this stretches from the 1005 all the way to the end of the 12th round. And there are some head scratching ADPs here, both that are, I think are too low and too high. Uh, let's start with actually, let's start with Alvin Kamara because I'm becoming more and more inclined to buy Alvin Kamara as he gets lower and lower in ADP. Like I really didn't think that I was ever going to get back in, but at this point he's going next to players that are just so uninspiring that have yeah. like no upside to speak of. You know, we saw Alvin Kamara still had an 18% target share last year. Like, even if he's not that good of a rusher anymore, I still think he has a pretty 
fantasy friendly role in an offense like are we really going to fade him into the 12th 11th 12th round just due to the suspension fear yeah i mean sometimes people overcomplicate this let's let's just look at the guys who played last year i'm, I'm removing connor and Kamara from this antonio gibson 11 points a game david montgomery 11 points a game brian robinson aj Dillon, and khalil herbert all had less than 10 points a game so what's the point, right? Like <laughs> what's the like, point? Camara two years ago, averaged 18 points a game. Even last year, he was at 14. James Connor, the last two years has averaged over 16 points a game. So what's the point of rostering AJ Dillon? Cause he's three years younger than James Connor. If you're never going to start him. And if you do, he's getting five less points a game. So this is the area where I'm either just waiting and taking the backups, you know, five rounds later in startups, or I'm just taking the production. I agree with you on a guy like Kamara. I know his production has fe has fell of late. The Saints were a mess last season. I think they'll be better this season. So even if I don't get him for the first six weeks or four weeks or whatever it ends up being, who cares if he's giving me 14 points a game for the rest of the season? That's that's more than having 16 weeks of, you know, nine points per game from AJ Dillon is ever going to do. Yeah, exactly. I I'm, I'm very much into buying Kamara at this price. I need to go out and get some shares because yeah, I don't too. think I have any at the moment, but I'm, I'm going to go out and put some feelers out, see if I can grab them on some of my stronger teams, maybe that need a running back. Um, you know, regardless of Alvin Kamara's value, I do like David Montgomery, like in a vacuum. I think he's a solid guy to hold on to just because I think he has contingent upside. We know that he's been a player that's handled a lot of touches before. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he's kind of bullied his way into the, the RB1 conversation once or twice. And so I at least think that he's going to have a standalone role similar to what Jamal Williams had last year. I don't think he's going to score 15 touchdowns, but he will have some utility on a week-to-week -week basis. And if Jameer Gibbs were to go down, I think he has the requisite skills to catch passes and get goal line work, all the high-value touches in a good offense. So I do like David Montgomery as a bench piece. Um, yeah, me too. And, yeah. and, and other than those other than Montgomery, who, who I do like in this range, I'm going to go with guys like tank Bigsby and Tajay Spears. Um, not necessarily over a guy like Alvin Kamara, but just because there is some upside there, particularly from a value perspective. I mean, if Derek Henry gets hurt, you are getting a 24 first for Tajay Spears. So, and, <laughs> and if Jameer that, Gibbs gets hurt, you yeah. might not get one for David Montgomery. So that's, that's just like the upside game that I like to play once you get to, you know, the 12th round, but right. it's, it's, you know, not nothing too inspiring at this point. So Tajay Spears was actually the next running back in ADP after Khalil Herbert. And I okay. decided to leave him out of the tier. Cause I'm kind of a hater. That's fair. Um, I don't, I don't know about that 24 first. I don't know if that's really the, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Derrick Henry got hurt and they gave like Hassan Haskins half the carries and they gave Tajay Spears like a Devin Singletary role. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, but I don't do the film analysis and just Tajay Spears just looked really uninspiring to me as a prospect. And, and you probably have a little more insight into how he plays and yeah, I, I wasn't in on him either. I'm not endorsing that I would pay a 24 first. No, I'm no, just no. endorsing I, I, that someone in my league would, but I, yeah, yeah it's the, the reason that I like him over a guy like, let's say Roshan Johnson is that mm -hmm. Roshan Johnson needs two injuries. Tajay right. Spears needs one. So that's, no, that's basically that's fair. And you're right about Hassan Haskins, but people in the dynasty community aren't going to view Hassan Haskins as the, as a prevention to workload the way that he might be in right. reality. Uh, go blue. Yeah. I, I think Roshan, him and Roshan are pretty close for me. Cause I think Roshan's the better player, uh, but yeah. I, but I think you're right. That Spears has the better, better situation. 
Um, I guess what I what I would see happening if Derrick Henry got hurt is like, okay, we have a Ryan Tannehill or potentially Will Levis led offense that has Traylon Burks, Shigakonkwo, and nothing else. Like I, I feel like we would just get a whole lot of like twelve carries for twenty three yards for Tajay Spears for a few weeks, and then people would probably catch on that he's not it and he doesn't have a lot of upside. But who who knows really? I, it's he's not even in this tier, so I don't know why I'm I'm harping on him so much. Uh, but I do agree with your general point of passing up on these guys that continue to put up you know ten points per game year in year out that don't have a path to accruing value. I absolutely love Tank Bigsby in this group, uh, especially going towards the end. I have a lot of shares of him because he's in a great offense. He has a three down skill set. I like this prospect profile. Um, and and outside of ETN, there's no other running backs there. So. If he were to go down, if, if ETN were to go down, that is, I think he would get a whole lot of carries and uh, a whole lot of targets, and I think he would know what to do with them. Yeah, I I love this discussion because I got my rankings up right now, and I have Roshan over Bigsby. Doesn't make any sense. Got to switch that now. Yeah, absolutely. The absolutely prefer Tank. I, I've been taking a ton of him. I think he is. I think I have Tank Bigsby. Yeah, it is my most drafted rookie. I, I believe mm. that's true. I don't have it in front of me, but I think he was my most drafted rookie because I was able to get him at like the 209, the 210, the 301 constantly in my rookie drafts. And I was just like, okay, I'll just push the button again every single time. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I have a fair amount of him. There's there's like three or four guys I have an absurd amount of, but I do have a fair amount of Bigsby as well. Yeah, so I love him out of that group. And I I don't see the point of AJ Dillon. I don't, mm. I don't, I don't get what... Him and Brian Robinson make no sense to me in this group. Like it's like the meme with all the soldiers and then the clown guy. And like, yeah. why are they here? What is the deal with Dylan? Like he was going way too high last year and then he absolutely flopped and he's still going way too high. Like this is not an Aaron Rodgers offense anymore. We're talking about a backup running back in a Jordan love led offense who might not be able to start until next year when he'll be what? 26. Yeah. And and why do we think he would start next year? He's not very good. So why wouldn't we <laughs> right. draft someone better? But have you seen his quads? They're huge. Yeah, right. He's got the quads. Yeah. And he does have like, like there are auxiliary metrics that still really like AJ Dillon. Like you, you want to know the top, the top seven in a PFF rush grade? Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard, Tyler Algier, AJ Dillon, and Derrick Henry. So like there are these stats that love him, but... It's just not worth it. Don't, don't do it. There's just no upside yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. It's like such a thin path to that ever working out. Yeah. I, yeah, I just don't see any reason. What about Antonio Gibson? Does he still have a path? Is there is there potential there? Can we? Can I? Can I have yeah, a little bit so of hope? I am more interested in Antonio Gibson. So the top three of this tier for me, sorry, the top four, and the only four I'm really that interested in are gonna be Connor Gibson, Bigsby, and Kamara. Um, with, with a little love for Dave Montgomery as well, but I do like Antonio Gibson, you know, two years ago, he put up 14 points a game. That was the same as what Kamara had last year. Um, and there is some potential upside, right? He's had a lot of receptions. He's got good receiving skills. Um, again, you're not really buying him for any value floor. So why not just get James Connor? But, uh, I'm fine with Gibson at cost. You know, he's the type of guy that, if I'm downgrading or making a big package deal and I can get him thrown in, he, he could be a useful flex piece. He's the arbitrage DeAndre Swift. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I completely see that. Like I, I am, I'm not sure why DeAndre Swift is going that far ahead of Gibson. 
Yeah, I mean, it's really a similar bet because you're talking about a guy like he's going to make his hay in the passing game. Yeah. Both of them are in the same year of their careers. They neither of them have any value installation left. At least Gibson's still on the team that drafted him. So that's, I mean, that's something. Although um, I don't know if they yeah. like him either. Um, and right. Gibson has like, I know Penny gets hurt all the time, but Rashad Penny's a much better runner than Brian Robinson. So I don't know. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, Ron Rivera is doing his yearly um, press tour for Antonio Gibson, hyping him yeah. up so that we can all be hurt again. Uh, I, he did, I think he did set actually career highs in like targets and receptions last year. So maybe he's kind of finding himself in that receiving role. And I don't know, I think he could have some like low end RB two upside this season, yeah. maybe more if Brian Robinson were to get hurt. So I find some appeal there. At least I know he catches passes and that's what I value, but definitely through this exercise. I mean, I, I was kind of coming around this way, but I'm definitely feeling more and more inclined to go, just go buy the, the gross dusty veterans uh, especially in these later tiers where I don't really think any of the players have league breaking upside. I, I would rather just bank the points. Like we've been saying in a Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, James Connor, someone I know is going to give me like 14 points per game as a baseline yeah. rather than trying to play the middle ground and try to draft running backs that have maybe similar up, you know, some upside, but they also can be a store of value. Like just tear down, grab the dusty veteran running back, and then store your value in picks, quarterbacks, stud tight ends, like other positions. Like just buy a running back and assume they're going to die on your roster. I feel like if I if we could get that in our heads, it would just be a lot easier to construct our teams and not find ourselves holding the bag on so many of these guys. Yep, exactly. And and if you are intelligent, like if you if you do Cam Akers, let's say for James Conner in a second you get more production this year. Let's say James Conner retires next year. That's fine because Cam Akers is only worth a second anyways, you know, so, and you got better production for a year. So I, I agree with that. Shoot for upside in this late range and really near-term upside because none of these guys have that much value upside once you get past really Charbonnet and Atchain. There you go. Love it. All right, well, there are lots more running backs left, of course. I mean, there's dozens more that get drafted after this point but we're not going to talk a lot about them because frankly there's just not all that much to say they're all just different upside bets that have various paths to paying off but i'd like to highlight just to close things out uh, a couple of guys that you like maybe a little more than the market that are going after this seventh tier uh and, I, and i'll bring up one name first and then i'll and then i'll let you go next uh make sure you don't steal my guy my first one is going to be damian harris who's going a couple rounds later, 13th, 14th round, uh, who just signed with the Bills. He's 26 years old. He's always been a highly graded rusher per PFF. I don't believe in James Cook. We've never seen James Cook handle a large workload in college or in the NFL. So I think the bet here is pretty simple. Uh, I think Harris could outscore James Cook. He's super cheap. He's in a good offense. And so he's kind of borderline free points that you can buy and at least, you know, throw into your flex spot if you need somebody. Yeah, I like that. Um, another guy who, uh, I mean, first of all, I love taking running backs in this range. Like I think my ideal startup is two running backs in the first 12 rounds and then running backs in rounds 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, right? Like, just <laughs> yeah. pile it up, see who gets hurt. Cause like you said, we're really just betting on injuries now. Um, a few, one of the guys I really like in this range is a, uh, a guy who you have on this list, so I'll leave him for you. But other players I like, Jalen Warren, Rashad Penny, 
Malik Davis, Keontae Ingram, and Jerome Ford are guys that I'm targeting in this range. Again, just looking for some contingent upside. If the starter gets hurt, what will their role be? Um, whether it's taking a guy who has a starter who hasn't gotten a big workload like Malik Davis, a starter who's not very good like Jalen Warren and Najee Harris, um, or Keontae Ingram, who, you know, I liked him okay as a prospect. He is literally free, and James Conner has a ton of injury issues, and they love giving the bell cow, you know, 85% of the touches. Yeah, those are all those are all good ones. Those are all frequents of my startups as well. Um, and I and I like your point about drafting running backs in this range because if you look at the other positions, there's just nothing. I mean, it's They're a awful. wasteland. All awful. the starting quarterbacks are gone. And you look at the wide receivers that are going in rounds 13, 14. I mean, are you really going to draft Darnell Mooney? Are you going to draft Alan Lazard? Do you want Tank Dell? Like, this is the running back zone. Like, this is yeah. where you want to grab all these guys because any one of these players, if they start for a week, they can be an RB two, and that's plenty. Like that's all you need. You just if you piece together a bunch of these guys that can give you stretches of RB two production, you can just pass up that whole Isaiah Pacheco tier because you've you've basically just piecemealed together a whole season of them on these backups because they're going to get starts. Like you might not always find the right ones, but if you buy enough of them, if you get enough of them on your bench between Malik Davis and Damian Harris and Keontae Ingram's, you're going to find some spot starts in there. So I love that. One of my favorites for the same reason as Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and thank you for leaving him for me. I appreciate it. He's very talented. We saw him as a rookie just blow up onto the scene. He stole Trey Sermon's lunch money. Uh, he's in an offense that's tailored to his skill set, as we've seen. And we know that Christian McCaffrey is a small, old running back with an extensive injury history. Like, Mitchell has his own injury concerns. Fair enough. Uh, but it's really not hard to envision Mitchell having a, a prominent starting role down, you know, at some point in the season. And you know that if he does, he's plug and play. He's not going to be ceding a lot of touches to Jordan Mason or Tyrion Davis Price, who are the only other running backs behind him. Like it's a set and forget it RB2 anytime that Christian McCaffrey doesn't suit up. And I don't really care that Mitchell is also injury prone because he's so cheap. Like it just doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. I, I got a good, uh, and I feel the same way about Rashad Penny, by the way. Um, I have a, I have a strategy question for you. Um, okay. if you, let's say it's not a startup and you're looking at your team, you don't have a lot of these running backs, these, you know, tier of backup running backs that we're advising to invest in. How do you go about getting them? Because let's say that, you know, Jalen Warren is worth a third round pick objectively, which is about what it is. Mm -hmm. If someone sends me, a third round pick for my Jalen Warren. I'm saying no, just cause I know that he wants him. Right. I'm like, right. why are you sending me an offer for this random dude? You must really want him. So how do you mm -hmm. go about getting these players? Well, first of all, you, you got to be very active on the waiver wire. Like I think that's underrated in dynasty. People think there's nothing out there. There's nothing, but a lot of times these guys that are on waivers become those running backs that you want. Uh, you know, that, that was Jalen Warren last year, like undrafted free agent didn't really get any buzz until in the summer. Um, and he was a guy you could have picked up. So definitely keep an eye out for names that pop up. Obviously not the names we just mentioned. None of those guys are on same waivers, with, but the next uh, same guys, with, by the way, Malik Davis last year, Keontae Ingram last year, Jerome yep. Ford last year, just to give a few more examples. Yeah. I mean, I picked up Ty Chandler in a ton of leagues yep. uh, during the season last year and over the off season before Dalvin cook got released. And now he's one of my highest rostered running backs. I don't know if that's going to pay off, but he certainly has a, a shot to be the RB two there in Minnesota. 
so that's one way. And then other than that, it's really just try to get one thrown into every deal that you make. Like usually someone like a Jalen Warren is not going to stand in the way of a trade getting done that you're, if your trade partner wants a deal, they're going to still make the deal if you ask for Jalen Warren. So sometimes I have people that will make trades and they'll ask for an extra third or fourth round pick. That's a fine way to pick up value. But if you have a team that's not tanking, I'd rather try to throw in one of those backup running backs as opposed to the draft pick and just try to stockpile as many as you can that way. And please don't let your bench get clogged up with these, you know, wide receivers, these deep, deep wide receivers down the board. Yeah. You can, I promise you, like you can drop Curtis Samuel and it's going to be okay. Like you, yeah. you don't need to hold these receivers that are going to score six, seven points per game. Just fill up your bench with as many running backs as you can. Yep. hundred percent. And I like what you said about asking for these players instead of a third round pick and a bigger deal. The other thing that you can do is you can say, Hey, throw in Jalen Warren and I'll throw in a, like, if you say throw in Jalen Warren and they say no, then say, Oh, I'll give you a third back or I'll give you a fourth back because then it seems like an afterthought. They're not going to let that hold up the deal, especially if you're giving equal value for a guy like that. But I, like you said, I, I like getting one of these guys thrown into most of my deals. And it's a good way to get rid of roster cloggers like your, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones and, you know, Jacoby yep. Myers and, you know, Terrace yeah, Marshalls. And these you guys. can also try just trading those guys straight up for running backs. Like, yeah, it doesn't always work, but some people still think that there's upside in those guys or like an Alec Pierce or something like mm-hmm. you can just try to throw them out there and grab an Elijah Mitchell or um, even a Khalil Herbert type, uh, you know, and and then you can just hold on to that guy. So there are ways to get it done. You have to be creative sometimes. I think that's a great question. And, and a good way to put it, I have 48 wide receivers in my startup rankings before my 25th running back. However, I then have a set of 28 running backs before my next 26 receivers. So basically after you hit the top 50 receivers, the top 25 running backs, then it switches to you should be acquiring these backs. I think that's a really good way to picture it. Yeah, absolutely. And these wide receivers just getting keep getting pushed up the board. Yeah. It's happening a lot on you know platforms like Underdog, but it's happening in Dynasty too. People are just very afraid of running backs because it was kind of a good... Last year was kind of a zero RB year, and so people are fading the running backs. It just goes in, in waves, but right now especially you can get running backs very cheaply compared to wide receivers. You got to play the board. Uh, you need to play the the ADP game in front of you. And, and that's absolutely the right way to do it. So Mike, this has been illuminating. I feel like I've, I've learned a lot. I hope that the people have taken some things away. They have some trades to try out. They have some strategies to implement. Uh, this has been great. Do you have any final thoughts before I sign this out for everybody? No, man, I think we covered it all. every running back take you'll ever need covered here on this podcast. I'm sure it will never seem outdated. And I bet everything we said today is hundred percent correct. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. You know, this, the show has been picking up a little bit of steam. It's been really awesome. Just seeing the support coming in. Um, and it's, it's mostly thanks to the awesome guests that I've had on. So got a shout out, Mike, go follow him on Twitter at dynasty Zoltan FF. Go check out his podcast, the dynasty Zoltan podcast. Uh, I've been on it a few times. You can go find my episodes and, and of course, listen to the rest as well. Um, last thing I'll throw out there, just go over to dynastyfootballfactory.com. Consider grabbing the annual membership. It's only like $20 and you get to access the site, all the web uh, articles, all the rankings. You get to join the Discord server where you can talk with me uh, and a lot of the other guests that you've seen on this program. So 
think it's a good value. I think you should check it out. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Paul underscore DFF. All right, everybody, that's it for this week, but I will see you again next time on the Factory Tour. (laughs) 